Hello, and welcome to another episode of Access Ability. I'm your host, Laura. I'm an animated depiction of a white woman with bright blue hair, shaved on one side, wearing a black leather jacket, a black t-shirt, and black jeans. The very first episode of Access Ability, back before this was a weekly recurring segment with its own series name, was published three years ago, in early January of 2020. And since then, a lot has changed for the better with regards to accessibility in the video game industry. While there's still a lot of progress that our industry could, and should, be making to improve gaming accessibility for disabled players, as I sit here at the start of 2023, it's clear that we've seen a lot of improvements to the quality and quantity of accessibility seen in the average big-budget AAA video game releasing from most major publishers. While certain aspects of accessible video game design are still exciting and experimental new frontiers being explored by creatively ambitious developers, other aspects of accessible design are, at this point, either becoming fairly commonplace or are being done at a consistent level of quality by those developers that are taking the time to implement them in their games. So today, on Access Ability, we're going to be discussing the accessibility features that I think we need to see video game developers and publishers pushing to make standards in the video game industry. Now, to be clear, when I say that the following video game accessibility settings should be standards going forward for our industry, I'm not suggesting that every game developer, down to the smallest indie dev, should be forced to implement every one of these features starting today if they want to be allowed to release a video game. I'm also not saying that any accessibility feature that I leave off this list is unimportant, or shouldn't become a commonplace part of the video game industry eventually as the medium changes and grows. Some accessibility features that I think are really exciting for our industry, such as sign language interpreter support and audio descriptions, are still in their infancy in the gaming space and are far from ready for the spotlight. Some accessibility settings come with time, technical resource or financial constraints to implement that won't be feasible for every single game developer. What I do believe, however, is that the below list of features should be considered achievable best practices to strive for, and that if every big-budget AAA video game developer is expected to do their best to implement them, this medium would be much more reliably opened up to a whole host of disabled players. If a video game developer or publisher is able to afford millions of dollars in marketing spending, they should probably be expected to hit the standards discussed in this video. Subtitle and text standards Starting off simple, addressing a complaint I've seen for years within the video game industry from disabled and non-disabled players alike, the video game industry should be standardising minimum text sizes in video games, with customization options both for in-game text and subtitle text, to ensure that all in-game text is legible on the first boot of a game, and can be set to a large enough size to be easily legible for a large number of partially sighted blind players. With regards to subtitles themselves, video game developers should be ensuring that their subtitles are not only able to be set to reasonably large sizes, but should also feature support for opaque backgrounds for contrast in non-stylized fonts, with support for alternative dyslexia-friendly fonts such as Open Dyslexic, with options available for including speaker names, customising text colour per character, and ideally including directional indicators for where speakers are in a scene. In a perfect world, developers should be offering closed captions, rather than simply dialogue subtitles, ensuring that non-dialogue information is conveyed to deaf players. 
This includes ensuring that music that is important to the tone of the story is described to players, and that licensed music is at the very least mentioned by name, even if limitations prevent the licensed song's lyrics from being shown in the subtitle files. Subtitles should also be timed to appear on screen in line with when the corresponding line of verbal dialogue is being spoken, so that players with cognitive processing disabilities who use subtitles as supplemental to spoken audio are able to follow both at the same time. Accessibility previews in menus. This next accessibility standard is pretty simple and requires minimal explanation. Settings options in game menus should be presented, ideally, alongside an in-menu preview of the setting in action, so that players can see at a glance if, for example, a new subtitle size is going to suit their needs, without needing to go back into the game to check, then back into the menu to tweak it again. Multi-platform accessibility controller support. Toward the end of 2022, we talked about the fact that former Nintendo of America CEO Reggie fils revealed in an interview that Nintendo had, at one point in time, been working on a multi-platform accessibility controller inspired by the Xbox Adaptive Controller that would have functioned on all of the major video game consoles available today. As much as I love the Xbox Adaptive Controller, it's only officially supported for use on Xbox and PC. The Switch has the Hori Flex accessibility controller, which supports many of the same peripherals, but is expensive and Japan exclusive. And the PS5 has no equivalent modular controller of its own at all. Sorry for the interruption, future Laura here. Since recording this video 48 hours ago, Sony has announced that they have their own proprietary accessibility controller in development for PlayStation 5, codenamed Project Leonardo. The controller will support the same 3.5mm switches as its competitors, but features a split design and built-in large analogue stick replacements. The controller features several large buttons, arranged in a circle, which can be customised in layout and function, including assigning macro functions to a single input. While I'm not going to go into huge depth on this new controller today, look forward to a future video where I go into a bit more depth on the topic. While it is great that we've got confirmation of an official accessibility controller coming to PS5, this news does unfortunately suggest that we won't be seeing a standardised multi-platform controller anytime soon, and players will be expected to purchase different accessibility controllers for each console they own. Thankfully, 3.5mm peripherals will be able to be shared between all three of the major accessibility options for the major consoles. While charities such as Special Effect exist and do great work creating custom controllers, right now we have a video game industry where accessibility-focused video game controllers are, while more affordable and accessible than they used to be, still a pricey additional expense for disabled players that cannot be reused across consoles. Whether we see a third-party company like Hori develop a controller that perhaps has a switch to put it into different console connection modes, or one of the major console manufacturers negotiates letting players use an existing controller across all three major consoles, cross-platform accessibility controller support for a single modular controller base is a step the industry feels overdue in taking. High Contrast Mode Originally introduced to mainstream audiences in The Last of Us Part 2, High Contrast Mode is a wonderful feature that's hugely impactful for partially sighted blind players, as well as those with conditions such as ADHD or autism who lose track of details within visual clutter. 
While previously the near-exclusive domain of PlayStation first-party titles, 2022 saw the release of the rebooted Saints Row, which featured its own custom implementation of the feature. Sony doesn't own the concept of high contrast modes in video games, and the sooner that we see every major video game developer and publisher start adopting this technology, the better. This is one of the best accessibility features available to disabled gamers today, and deserves to be placed on any list of future industry standards. Copilot Mode In a similar vein to high contrast mode, Copilot Mode is a system level Xbox feature where two controllers can be registered as a single user, allowing for both devices to control the same character. This allows for controls to be split into more comfortable positions, an accessibility controller to be used in conjunction with a regular controller, or for a second player to assist with in-game actions that would otherwise be a barrier to progression. 2022 saw co-pilot mode implemented outside of Xbox, with the mode appearing in PlayStation-exclusive title Horizon Forbidden West, showing that Xbox doesn't exclusively own the feature. Hi, Future Laura back again. While Sony's Project Leonardo announcement press release suggests that players will be able to use multiple accessibility controllers in conjunction with a DualSense as a single virtual controller, similar to co-pilot mode on Xbox, it's currently unclear if they also plan to support using two dual sensors this way on a system level, for players not purchasing the new accessibility controller itself. It does seem like, to some degree, Horizon Forbidden West was a test case for co-pilot mode support on PS5, and demonstrates the console is capable of supporting the use of two DualSense controllers as a single virtual controller. So hopefully we will see this functionality confirmed soon. I really want to see PlayStation and Nintendo catch up with Xbox in this regard, and implement the feature on a system level on their own consoles, as it's an incredibly useful option across the board. Standardised Accessibility Store Tax Sticking with Xbox for a moment, one of the most important, yet under-discussed accessibility updates this console generation is Xbox's implementation of accessibility tags on the Xbox Store, allowing disabled players to, at a glance, find out which accessibility settings options a game has without having to leave their console dashboard. What makes Xbox's accessibility store tag system so impressive, however, is the way that it functions. Microsoft has quality requirements to receive a tag on the Xbox Store, and that requirement of reaching a quality bar to receive an accessibility tag allows for a degree of consistency and reliability for disabled players. A game on the Xbox Store won't, for example, get the subtitles tag simply for having subtitle support, if those subtitles are small, inaccurate, poorly timed, and unable to be customised. It's not enough to have subtitles, you need to have good subtitles to get the subtitle tag. This system of requiring games to reach a set level of accessibility quality to receive these accessibility tags, as well as the presence of the tags themselves on the store pages for games, allows Xbox players to find out if a game's going to be likely to be playable for them before purchase, without having to go onto Google and look for an accessibility review that hopefully mentions the piece of information being searched for. In terms of the role the tag system plays in informing disabled players about settings they'll have access to, and encouraging quality of execution from third-party developers, I think that the system is nothing but a positive, and should really be adopted sooner rather than later by PlayStation and Nintendo on their own storefronts. Accessibility Setting Announcements On a similar topic, 
But while we've seen increasing numbers of games released by companies such as Sony detailing their accessibility settings at some point ahead of a game's release date, and providing early review copies to accessibility-focused critics for pre-release reviews, accessibility settings reveals are still often treated by major video game studios and publishers the same as any other hype-building marketing reveals, doled out by PR close to release long after they've been locked in by the development team. Accessibility setting support is not the same as other gameplay features, and should not be held back by PR in the same way. Knowing what accessibility settings a game contains determines whether a disabled player is going to be able to play certain video games, and the earlier that information is known, the sooner a disabled player knows if they should get excited to play the game too, or be aware that a game isn't going to be playable by them. The video game industry needs to standardise announcing accessibility settings ahead of release, and not holding that information back until the last moment before a game is out. Accessible Packaging Another quick and simple one. One of the best things about receiving the Xbox Series X for a review a couple of years back, for me, was seeing the steps that Xbox had taken toward making the console's packaging more accessible to more people. From large stickers on the box featuring an unsealed edge tab for more easy gripping, to a minimising of things like twist ties used inside the box, thoughtfulness in packaging design went a long way to making the new generation Xbox console more approachable. That kind of accessibility thoughtful design is important and should really be an industry standard. Colourblind support. I talked about this three years ago in my very first accessibility focused video, but it bears repeating. We know that there are a handful of common types of colourblindness. It's not that hard to check whether your game is accessible to players who are colourblind and either tweak your core visual design, or create a settings option that applies different colours to certain elements and check if that new design is friendly to colourblind users. Controller remapping. Another quick and overdue suggestion, every video game should at this point be allowing players to customise their controls and remap which buttons control which functions in a game. We are thankfully in an age where most video game consoles have system-level button remapping, but per-game remapping options are still important for cases where a single game requires its own unique remap to be accessible, or for players whose remapping needs vary on a per-game basis. This should really be a standard by now. Accessibility on first boot. Another aspect of game design I've talked about a lot on this show, that's thankfully becoming more common, is the fact that we should, in a perfect world, be expecting video games to make their accessibility settings options easily available to players on first boot up of a game. The best recent example of this done right was God of War Ragnarok, which allowed players to either go through a guided accessibility settings walkthrough on the first boot, or skip past it to the game's main menu. Then, there was a settings menu and an accessibility menu on that main menu screen before getting into any gameplay. Titles where gameplay starts before you've had a chance to set up your settings are thankfully becoming few and far between, but this should be an expected standard by this point, and something we expect to become consistent across the industry. Accessibility Presets Continuing to discuss God of War Ragnarok for a moment, Another thing that game did amazingly well was its implementation of degrees of preset for accessibility settings, tailored to a selection of common categories of disability. Players could easily set some or all available settings that were in-game, and likely to be helpful for their category of disability, to be activated with a few button clicks, avoiding a lot of digging through menus manually. 
This kind of thoughtful grouping of settings into degrees of useful presets is the kind of streamlined onboarding that the video game industry should aspire to, and something I hope becomes the standard in the near future. While this list of accessibility setting standards is far from exhaustive, I think that it covers many of the settings right now that would make the most immediate impact if made into industry standards, while focusing on settings that seem to be either heading towards natural standardization anyway, or that I suspect will explode in popularity as developers have time to implement them in projects that started development after their well-received debuts in other recent titles. The video game industry, while constantly becoming more accessible year by year, is inconsistent, and even games from the same publisher or development studio can't be relied on to be consistent with their accessibility support. I think that the next major step for our industry in terms of accessibility will be standardization, and that it is a needed step for this industry to grow and mature. Disabled gamers deserve to be able to pick up a video game, confident that it will meet a baseline level of accessibility, and I think many of the ideas discussed in this video are promising candidates for that eventual standardised future. Thank you so much to this month's Patreon backers, who helped make this show possible. You can support the show and everything I do at patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz.